0: Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards and Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. Today we will be talking about leases in general, how to negotiate them, what kind of term lengths to expect out of them, and generally just learn more about how to go about your leases. And here with us, we have Robert Edwards, myself, Ash Fezula, and our guest speaker, Evan Reynolds. Evan Reynolds, of course. He's a prominent (laughs) lease negotiator here in the Dallas... Metroplex. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Ash. Oh, yeah. It's our here. pleasure
1: to have you here. I'm sure our listeners would appreciate that. Evan is with Dental
3: Space Advisors, and I think you started the company in what, 2000.
2: Yeah, we're, we're coming up. Yeah, we're about to start our 20th year, believe it or not.
3: And I know uh, a great many dentists are leasing their space. And for everyone that leases space, you should listen to this because Not many people go to the trouble of trying to negotiate a renewal with their landlords. And that's really what most of this is going to be about today. So, Evan, if you want to tell us a little bit about what Dental Space Advisors does, feel free.
2: Absolutely. Thanks again, guys. Great to be here. So Dental Space Advisors, we're a commercial real estate firm. We're based here in Dallas. We do work across the country on a, a selective basis. Primarily, we work in Texas. We've got some national clients that kind of take us out of Texas, but we're a commercial real estate firm that exclusively helps dental professionals with their real estate needs, whether that's a new office, a renewal, really anything related to their real estate. And we've worked with over a thousand dental professionals in the last 20 years, Again, we only represent the dental professional, not the landlord side. So that includes demographic analysis, competition analysis, research, negotiations, really every step of the process. We're usually the first step in the process and we're with you every step of the way. And like I said, we've been focusing on dentists for 20 years and that's really our only special and only tenants themselves.
3: And I think you also work with startups as well as mostly entrepreneurial dentists, but you also do some work with some large corporate clients.
2: We do. We have a client that has 250 locations across the country, orthodontic. We also work with some folks that we started off with our first office and now have 50, 70, 100 locations. And so they're starting to to expand outside of the state of Texas. That's generally what takes us uh, to different parts of the country to do our work.
3: So you have to, I guess you have to be licensed in those? We do. We do.
2: And that's always a consideration. Every state's different. Uh, A lot of times we'll have to get a a co-broker arrangement in place. It really is not an issue. We just completed a project in Florida, Georgia. We work in California. So... It's not really, there are some states that you absolutely cannot do anything and that becomes problematic, but the vast majority we can work in, figure out a way to do it.
3: Yeah. we're associated with the Academy of Dental CPAs. Mm-hmm. We have 28 offices in various different states. And maybe if you're in some of those states, uh, you can provide a contact or oh, be, absolutely. be provided, ask them for a contact.
2: If we do. Uh, to yeah. help you out. We get those okay. questions quite a bit. We, we I'll get questions where... It's like, hey, I'm in Seattle. Do you work here? I say no. I say, But I try to offer some alternative and say, hey, look, here's somebody that I do know works there. In certain cities, there are specialists like us. It's pretty rare. We have quite a few in Texas, but... You know, I had the other day, somebody asked me about Los Angeles and there's one group that I know about and I sent that to them. I'm always, I'm trying, I don't want to just say no. I'm trying to find some way to help them in some sort of direction to
3: go in. That's great. And I know at one time, I think you were considering expanding into the California market.
2: We did. We were licensed in California. It just became a little bit too challenging from a <laughs> tax perspective and a business operation. It's like, we had uh, enough business and and to make it work, but we just decided that we will work in California uh, upon request. In fact, we had a client we recently worked with there. But it, like I said, it's a little bit challenging to have. It's easier to co-broker with somebody there locally, as we found out, than to set up a business there because yeah. it just becomes yeah, it challenging.
3: the dynamics. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely if I'm a dentist and I am an established dentist mm-hmm. and my lease is coming up for renewal, yes. why should I use you? What, why can't I do this myself?
2: Yes, I think, I guess I would look at that if I was a, I can pull my own tooth,
0: too. It would be
3: messy and painful. But no, I th-
2: what I tell people is, I say the number one thing is that when you go into any renewal, It doesn't matter who you are, is that you have to convince the landlord that there's a very real possibility that you're going to relocate. Otherwise, you have nothing. I tell people it's like going to a car dealer and saying, hey, I have to buy a car from you today. Give me your best deal. Objectives are diametrically opposed. So the real key, whether they're going to do it themselves or us, what we represent is strategy. And that's really the important thing. And a lot of the clients don't like conflict. They don't want to do all the things that are really necessary to negotiate properly with the landlord because it's not that it's a contentious situation necessarily. It can be, but we have to we have to convince the landlord that there's a realistic option that we are going to relocate. And that doesn't mean me telling them that every day because they're not going to believe it. And especially with... Dentists are very captive. Landlords know that. Everybody knows that it's going to be really expensive. So we have to create a strategy and a story that we have to reinforce over many months. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it certainly looks more convincing when you have a representative working for you. And it's not just you, because if I really am looking for other options, then I really need somebody out there looking for me. So that's one but i think a lot of it's just strategy negotiation expertise what to tell them when to tell them how to tell them and reinforcing that strategy throughout the process
3: when i think in my experience one thing you said about the the doctors not being confrontational mm-hmm. that's absolutely true they and because of that they tend to ignore the lease when it's coming up on expiration until it's too late really yes. to implement a lot of those strategies Take time. Absolutely. So, in that respect, how much time Mm -hmm. should they allow ideally for you to do what you do?
2: I, I encourage people to contact us about 12 months prior to expiration, and you're exactly right. I don't know how many times I've had people contact me and they said, hey, I think my lease is coming up. Next the landlord, month. yeah, the landlord <laughs> called me and I said, oh, okay, can you send it over? And it's thirty less than 30 days away. Yeah. I'm like, you really have no leverage here whatsoever. And a lot of people just don't know when they're leasing. And that's not unusual. There's times when I have to look at my lease and go, I can't remember what year it is. And so it's important to know when it expires and really start the process 12 months before expiration. The earlier you start, the more leverage you're gonna have. It's that simple.
3: I know one thing we've done this year that we have included on our tax planning questionnaire is we have the question on there when their lease expires. Right. So we're trying to capture that information for our clients so we can help them and get you in there to help them out.
2: Oh, absolutely. And recently we had a client, and this doesn't happen every single time, but we had a pediatric dental client and they had renewed the lease themselves the last time. And there was a couple of really critical things that they did not address with that. And I don't blame them for that, but it
3: just, that's the way it was. Give us an example of what those critical things were. I I don't know what to look for.
2: No, absolutely. And so (laughs) for this, in this situation, I've got another one I'm working on right now. It's exact same situation. Happens to be the exact same landlords. It's going to be interesting,
3: but. So is that an advantage or a disadvantage? (laughs) It might be a disadvantage. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to have to
2: really come up with a creative strategy, but in this case, they really are looking at relocating. So there's really two kinds of leases that you'll see. One is a triple net lease, which is mostly what in the retail world. And that's, you have base rent plus operating expenses. In some leases, they're considered gross leases. And without getting into too much detail about what a base year expense stop is, anyway, that in those gross leases, all the expenses, everything is inside that lease number, the rent number. And so you only pay for expenses above what they were the expense, the, the base amount set up in the first year. And so I've got a client right now that has 2011, their increases or escalations above that base year is $6 a square foot. and And what happens, especially a lot of times when these properties get sold, the tax valuation gets reset mm-hmm. to an astronomical number in a lot of cases, and your property taxes go up significant. We see it all the time. So if there's a gross lease and you don't update that base year expense stop, when you do a renewal, you haven't done anything. You're still working off an old number, but you can update that. And it's something that's very well, very accepted. The landlord's not going to object to that. That's a common practice to update that. So that's just one thing. And that was the case for the client that we work with recently. And so there's a lot of other things that you want to look at. Obviously the rent we talk about the first questions I ask people are, we talk about term. How long do you want to consider as far as a term's concerned? We don't have to know exact. We can look at five years, seven years, 10 years. We want to look at the lease, understand what their renewal options are. Are there set numbers in the lease for the renewal? Now, if those numbers are Materially higher than what market is, we can negotiate against that. Again, we've got to convince the landlord that that we've got other options. That's I'm not a big fan of set rents in the lease when you sign the initial lease for the renewal options. I don't. It hardly ever works in the favor of the tenant because they're so high. So that's the one we want to understand the, the, the renewal option, what the process is. Sometimes there's situations where once you trigger a renewal option, it sets in motion this process that is binding. You can't get out of it. You, They'll come back with a number. You say yes or no, then it might go into this sort of, you get an appraiser, I get an appraiser, et cetera. But there's not an opportunity to say, no, I don't want to do that. So it puts you on this path. So it's important to understand the renewal option language, what that says. In every lease, there's going to be a renewal option exercise date it usually will say no earlier than 12 months no later you know than six months prior to
3: expiration etc
2: that's another important thing to be aware of because that can uh, mitigate some of our leverage if we're past that point point. And,
3: and again i think that's something that very often gets overlooked absolutely they, they know they have a renewal option but they don't know that it's a minimum of six months to exercise it so they're inside of the six months at that point, they really don't have a renewal option.
2: No, it, it technically. Com, no, it, it absolutely it goes yeah. away. And if somebody else came along and another dentist wanted to lease the space and you're out of your, let's say it's somebody with much bigger, better credit. Well, you're at the mercy of the landlord. Oh, you're totally at the mercy of the not They have no obligation to lease it to you at that point. If you go past that renewal, sometimes it's nine months prior to expiration. So that's another important point to keep in mind is that once you go past that, they have no obligation to lease it to you whatsoever. Now, most of the time, the landlord is going to be,
3: accommodating,
2: but not always. If they get something better comes along, you're gone.
3: More so nowadays under the pandemic because of some of the problems the landlords are having.
2: Yeah, I think so. People ask us all the time, what's going on in the market? What's going on with the, the pandemic? What's the landlord? And it's not, it's a very gradual process for a market to soften. And it's obviously it's, it can be local, regional, et cetera, when every market's different. So, the landlords are certainly more motivated, but that doesn't mean they're going to do something completely ridiculous. It's not like there's a fire. They can't do it. In a lot of cases, the lender really controls that. So they're not going to allow you to do something. The lender's not going to allow the landlord to do a deal. And a lot of times people will say, gee, that space has been empty for a year. What isn't something better than nothing? I'm like, no, no. It's not, (laughs) they're not allowed. (laughs) The lender's not going to do that. Whenever I bought this or whenever I built it, I put these pro forma numbers in front of the lender. And I said, Hey, I can get this. And if I come back to you and say, yeah, I told you I could get 32. I'm going to do this lease for $15. The lender's going to say, no, sorry, that's not going to happen. So a lot of times they're controlled by the lender, but we've definitely seen a higher level of motivation, certainly on concessions like free rent, improvement allowance dollars, rent's the thing that they want to protect the most because that really defines the value of a project. But there's a lot of concessions that they'll consider. Getting back to the renewals, one of the renewals that we just negotiated was getting back to another item. The improvement allowance. We ask people when we're getting into renewal negotiations, when we first start is, do you need any improvements to your space? Do you need new flooring, new walls, et cetera? Whatever you got a problem with, now's the time. Whether I don't like the parking or my sign, I want to improve my sign or I want to do this. I want new stuff. I want this and that and the other. Now's the time to do it because most landlords have budgets for allowance money for refurbishment on renewals. Yes, on renewals. And so that really, it depends on the landlord, but I would say 90% of the time that money is there. And I say, look, if you don't need it, then let's focus on the rent. But if we do need it, let's get that now. And what we've been able to do in certain cases, tying back into the concessions we're seeing is we might get an allowance of 20, 25, $30, maybe even more on a renewal with the understanding we negotiate with the landlord to say, Hey, we can use up to half of this for rent. So you mean, you mean- rent reduction. Okay. So we can apply half of that to the, so what it allows them to do is it's another way of reducing the overall net effective rental rate. And so it takes it out of one bucket and puts it into another. It doesn't, the, like I said, the, What's sacred to them is the rental rate that defines the value of the project. If I can take another bucket of money and I can apply that to the rent, get you what you need, but I can still keep that face rental rate where it needs to be. Then I'm good with my lender. I'm good if I want to sell it, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that can be done, but there is allowance money there for refurbishment in almost all cases. So, that's a matter of assessing what you need. Is this just going to be flooring and paint? Do I need to move some walls? All that sort of thing. So that, those are things that you need to explore early on.
3: And then as far as the rent itself is concerned, are you seeing more free rent now than we did, say, two years ago? Absolutely.
2: We're definitely seeing more free rent. Again, I think the, the, the almost any concession is on the table at any level the last thing they want to negotiate, uh, we still negotiate the rent certainly, and and we're very aggressive on that. But there's a, a much greater willingness to negotiate. Any all any and all other concessions Everything possible? A- a- <laughs> yeah, you're going to negotiate the rent, of course. But there's ways we talk about the net effective rental rate, which is really the number that matters. Okay, taking into consideration all the other concessions, free rent allowance that we can apply towards the rent. What is the actual net effective rate?
3: And like you said, that's the basis for valuing the real estate is the rent. So I know they want to protect that. To Absolutely. The most and
2: again, yeah. a lot of times
3: they're mm-hmm. they're. The, the lender dictates that as well. Okay. And then the big question I always get asked when I suggest that someone call you yes. is, well, what's it going to cost me? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So our only compensation we get paid is standard commission
2: by the building owner. And there's usually a landlord broker, and there's usually almost always an amount allotted for the tenant broker. It's not anything we have to negotiate. It's standard in the market in every market. That's our only compensation if for whatever reason we're working with a startup and this happens where we, we might work with somebody for a year and a half, and then maybe they decide to buy a practice or they may get into a partnership. We're not going to send, send them an invoice. That's just the way it goes. So it's a very, it's a contingent business, specifically in a lease renewal situation. I always tell people, everyone's like, I'm not going to charge you no matter what. And even if the landlord somehow comes out of this and says, hey, we're not going to pay you a standard commission. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to help you with this situation. Now, there are certain landlords in the, in certainly in the retail world that are very resistant to paying standard commissions on renewals. And even in those cases, we'll definitely help people and not charge them for that. We can't do that for everybody, but we try to help people and go, okay, look, maybe I can't dive in with both both feet on this thing, but send me what they've sent you. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about strategy, what I would recommend. Hey, whatever they send you, send it back to me. I'll take a look at it. I'll tell you, I'll guide you through this. And that can, a lot of times, those are the ones that have three weeks until their lease expires. (laughs) (laughs)
3: And
2: it's, oh boy, we just got to do the best we possibly can.
3: And you briefly mentioned practice transitions. So Mm -hmm. in a transition, I've had clients come to me and Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to sell my practice in a couple of years. I don't want to get a 10-year lease. Mm -hmm. So what would be your response to that? And we've worked
2: on transitions, the real estate piece of the transitions many times. And I, I feel like that having rent certainty in place I don't know if that's 10 years. As we know, the buyer generally needs at least 10 years of term. That can be five years of primary term and renewal options and all that stuff. So I've found it to be much cleaner when there is a material amount of lease term left on the lease when we're doing the transition. It's one less thing to negotiate.
3: And it just... And the lender requires it. A yeah, lot yeah
2: absolutely. They're going to require it. So if, you, so if there's a transition and let's say there's six months left on the lease and I'm going to buy, well, I now I got to negotiate the lease as well. And what you don't want to do, and I always tell people, and it happens every time, it's like, okay, we're going to negotiate the letter of intent for the practice purchase. And then it's like, once we get all that done, then we're going to t- talk to the landlord. And I'm like, the landlord's sitting there going, oh, okay, you guys have been working on this for six months. Now you're coming to me because the lease about to expire that doesn't put you in a good position in terms of leverage. So I'm like, you've, we have I'll tell the landlords like, look, this may happen. It may not. I try to inject a lot of doubt. So they're not sitting there holding all the cards for us. I feel like it's much cleaner to have that lease in place, have the rent. It's known. It's part of the analysis for the buyer. They know the rent. There's cost certainty, all those sorts of things. So I really feel like it's, it's a benefit to have that in place. I don't think, I don't see any downside to whether it's 10 years, five years, whatever. I don't see any downside to committing to a longer term, even if I intend to sell my practice in a couple of years at all.
3: And then as far as either relocations or startups, this is Dallas-Fort Worth. Yes. It's saturated with dentists. Are there still good spaces or locations available for dentists to open new practices?
2: Yeah, I th- always I think that we're predominantly looking. Most of our projects are exterior suburbs, but there's a lot of holes in the market and there's been some practices that have either consolidated or closed and leaving some opportunities. And also I think it depends on what you bring to the market in terms of how am I different or how am I the same from wherever market I'm going into? You can, people can look at Frisco and they go, Oh my God, there's a dentist in every corner. And I'm like, maybe, but what are we doing? Who are they? What are they doing? How do they market? Is this a corporate? Dental office? How's that going to be responded to? And are you going to live in Frisco? Are you going to be in the neighbor? That's so. All of those things, and I talk to people. The very first thing we talk to people about is lifestyle. Where do you want to live and where you want to work? It's very simple, but at the same time, it has a large bearing on and the quality of your. I, nobody wants to drive an hour to and from work, yes. and so. And if somebody's like, yeah, we really want to live in Frisco and I'd love to have a practice there. And I'm like, Hey, let's figure out how to make it happen. And and maybe, and until we figure out there's no way to make it happen. And, but let's start there. I don't want to go in and go, oh, et cetera. There's still a hundred thousand people that are going to move into Frisco before it's all said and done. So there's going to be additional opportunities. And that's with a lot of the more popular suburbs, Allen, McKinney, et cetera. So we're still finding opportunities and we, we talk about scientific site selection. So we look at the numbers I can drive around and go, Oh my God, you're a dentist in every corner. Everybody does that. But we talk about scientific site selection. So we're looking at the data. We're looking at the numbers. We know what works. And so we feel if we can find that, then there, that there's an opportunity there for sure. And certainly some places are better than others. But some places are better than others and you don't want to go there. You don't want to be in you don't want to drive an hour outside of Dallas and go it just doesn't make any sense. There's opportunities to do really well. And as we know, there's there's I've seen corners where there's dentists on each corner and they're all killing it. So it just and you can't get too intimidated or overly influenced by
3: the dentist you drive by. So there's more to consider than just a few factors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and
2: also it's your personality, how you fit into that market, what services you provide, where are you going to position yourself in the market? How are you going to market your services and who those other people are? Is it a DSO? Is it who is it? And and how can I differentiate myself? And
3: you certainly sound very passionate about what you do and, and I, I appreciate that. I think we have one more question. I asked yes, this sir? was from one of your clients. Do you want to ask this one? Yeah, sure. I've got um, a question from the audience would love that.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I always get asked this question from uh, my clients and especially now during the COVID times, which mm-hmm. is especially with the startup where they are due a TI allowance amount, but then mm-hmm. landlord would reach out to them and say, Oh, we're low on cash. Is there a different kind of an arrangement that we can set up maybe a reduction in rent or something? So what would you tell someone who would be your client in a situation like that? I would hire a lawyer.
0: No, <laughs> I
2: think that I honestly, I've and, and we've been around long enough to see some ups and downs in the market. And I've never had, now we've had times where it was difficult to get the money, but I've never had a situation where the tenant was not able to get the allowance. So let me say that first. There's a first time for everything. And I'm sure this goes on where people are well, calling and saying, Hey, look, I don't have any money.
3: Can you? So this is something that we just recently encountered Yeah, the, yeah no, because I'm of a, the pandemic.
2: Yeah. And I'm yeah, I, I think we've just been lucky that we haven't crossed this, but I'm sure it happens. I think part of it is looking at the. The first thing I do is look at the lease because in certain leases, now most landlords hate this, but it might say, "Hey, look, if you're own." from a tenant perspective, if you owe me any money landlord and you don't pay me at a certain time, then I can offset that with my rent payments. And so that's the last resort. I would like the lump sum allowance. I'm counting on that money, but if you don't give it to me at a certain time, then I can just not pay rent to to pay.
3: Now is that normally in the lease? It
2: can be. That's something we try to do as an offset, but the landlords definitely do not like that language at all. They will fight to not include that. I think- And everybody tries to be somewhat understanding with the landlords in these times. But the reality is if they've got, uh, it depends on the type of project. This is an older project. Maybe they don't have, if it's a new project, they should definitely have that money allocated. So that's a consideration. I think as a last resort, I would want to simply try to negotiate that I don't pay rent until I get all my money back or just get free rent essentially to compensate for that.
3: Now, should they, you you, you joked at the beginning, you said call an attorney. Oh, I would. (laughs) But if they're going to reduce their rent to offset the allowance that's due them, Mm -hmm. should they call an attorney to get that documented?
2: It absolutely needs to be documented. uh, that's, That's definitely true yeah, I think that a lot of people are counting on that money as part of their working capital or what have you. And again, let's say you've got way past that point and you're like, geez, I just want this money somehow. Then using the free rent to offset that is an alternative. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Other than that, I I would hire an attorney no matter what, at least to look at the lease and at least to send a demand letter and to make sure they know that I'm serious. And that's at a minimum and start down that path because- believe it or not, sometimes people are not truthful. And so <laughs> they, that. That. that's a shocking statement. I know, but they're not truthful. And sometimes you go, okay, do you really not have the money or you yeah. just, eh? I mean, it, it. so I would definitely have representation. I don't think it's going to take a lot of legal cost to get that done. So that would be my first thing. But again, as a last resort, if I can use free rent to offset that, it's better than nothing and a better
3: than a prolonged legal battle. Okay. Super. So before we go, mm-hmm. do you want to tell people how to get in touch with you?
2: Absolutely. I can give you my email address. Our websites, we have two websites, dentalspaceadvisors.com and medicalspaceadvisors.com. And so you can reach me on the, the dental side, Reynolds, E-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, at dentalspaceadvisors.com. And you can reach me on my cell phone, 214-718-6777, if you have any questions about anything.
3: And if nobody gets sat down, they can get in touch with us at Edwards course, Associates, and we'll give them your contact information. And our number is 972-267-9191. Ash, do you have anything to add? No, that is it. Super. Thank you so much again, Evan. Thank you,
2: guys. Thanks for allowing us. me to talk. As you can tell, I can talk
3: a lot. So <laughs> I appreciate that. It makes it easier on this side. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> absolutely. All right.
0: Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at